Hi, this is Mimi Sheraton, author of A Thousand Foods to Eat Before You Die, and you are listening to Radio Cherry Bomb. everybody. Welcome to Radio Cherry Bomb. I'm Carrie Diamond, Editorial Director of Cherry Bomb, the indie magazine about women and food. I hope your summer is going well. Lots of excitement right now at Cherry Bomb headquarters because we finally revealed our cookbook cover and announced the on-sale date, which is October 10th. We worked with more than 100 women on the cookbook, and I have to say, it's really beautiful. Alpha Smoot shot all the pictures, Claudia Fica did the food styling, and there are so many recipes I'm in love with, and I know you will be too, at least I hope you will be too. If you want to be the first to know about our cookbook tour stops and any of the guest chef dinners we're doing, make sure to sign up for our emails at cherrybomb.com. First, let's thank our sponsor, Le Cordon Bleu, the legendary culinary school with locations around the globe. We've got a great sweepstakes going on with Le Cordon Bleu right now. You could win culinary classes in Paris, London, or Ottawa, plus airfare, hotel, and a little spending money. Visit cherrybomb.com to enter. We have a special co-host with us today, my nephew, Luke Moses. Luke, want to say hello to everybody? Hello! <laughs> so, Luke, how old are you? Um, I'm eight, and I live in Walpole, Massachusetts. You live in Walpole. Okay, why are you here today? Um, I'm here to interview um, two female bakers. And f- why do you point out that they're female bakers? Um, because Cherry Bomb only interviews female bakers. Okay, that's, that's a valid point. Okay, I'll take it. Um, and you slept over last night, right? Yes, I did. Did you have a great time? Yeah, that was fun. I liked us. You, oh, tell them who, tell people who Dusty is. Oh yeah, Dusty's this um, my aunt's cat, and she's really playful. So. And she's yeah. pretty, right? She's gray, big green eyes, and, and she looks like she has tattoos. <laughs> well, she does have tattoos. Weirdly, my cat has tattoos in her ears, and no one knows why. They think maybe she was a lab cat, or, but she was a rescue. And your two cats are rescues, right? What are your cats' names? Alfie and Roxy. And right, adopt don't shop. Exactly. Um, Wait, but why are we talking about cats right now? I don't. I have no idea. Why are we talking about cats? Because it's it's a. We could talk about anything we okay, want. Still, this is kind of. Funny. I bet a lot of our listeners like cats right. or dogs or both. Um, and we, uh, you stayed up way past your bedtime. Yep. Did you tell your mother? Did you rat uh, me out? No, no. No, but I guess she'll find out because she's listening. We stayed until midnight. <gasps> Say that again. How late did we stay up? We till? stayed up till midnight. Oh my god! Was that the latest you ever stayed up? <laughs> yup. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, be- I think I've stayed up that late just, like, lying in bed. Oh, okay, like, okay. But, like, yeah, I oh, know. my God, my mom. I know, she's right out there. <laughs> We're in big trouble. We are in big trouble, but that's okay. So, Luke, what's your favorite food? Um, I like, like, um, probably, like, hot dogs or something. Okay, okay. I mean... That sounds fair. You're only eight. Do you I ever mean, cook anything? Um... Yeah, well, um, usually on the weekends I make pancakes, mm-hmm. so, and I've made waffles before. Oh, impressive. Did we see, didn't we see waffles on, uh, our next guest's Instagram feed? Ah, uh, yeah. We yeah. did. Yeah, We're going to yeah, have to yeah, ask yeah, her about that. Are you excited to help me interview today's guests? Yeah, I am. Okay, excellent. So let's get right into it. So our first guest today is Yasi Arefi, 
the baking talent behind the blog Apartment 2B Baking Co., and the beautiful cookbook Sweeter Off the Vine, which is all about fruit desserts. Um, Yasi, I can't believe this is your first time on Radio Cherry Bomb, so welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and thrilled that we have a co-host. Yahoo! <laughs> Luke, Luke's going to hang out for a few more minutes. Yep. And then we have a surprise guest with us, Sarah Jones, the founder of Miss Jones Baking Co., the brains behind the baker's going to bake <laughs> sweatshirts, t-shirts, all of that, that you've seen all over the Cherry Bomb Instagram account. You've seen them on Martha Stewart. She's wearing one on the back of our uh, new issue. And they're just, they're everywhere. Yeah. So we like to tease Sarah that she didn't really set out to create an apparel company, yet somehow... <laughs> somehow that happened, but... Well, in San Francisco, where you're from, they talk about pivoting all the time, right? So Yeah. I, I, if one thing works better than the other, you know, you can just always switch. Exactly. But we're still selling frosting, organic frosting and baking mixes your for main, now. Your main business is Yeah, baking. still 99% yes. frostings, baking mixes. Yes. So what brings you to New York? I was here for the Summer Fancy Food Show. Oh, how you know, I didn't go to the Fancy Food Show this year. Did you go, Yasi? I've never been. It always seems like it's a very overwhelming experience. I think I went like two years ago and I was completely overwhelmed. And then once uh, you're registered in the system as media, you are sort of bombarded. So it's it's a little it's a little challenging. But it's if you if you know what you're doing and you know how to navigate yeah. the show, how was the response? It was great. I actually didn't exhibit. I was just here to walk to oh, walk okay. and meet with folks and I, search for trends. Do you have a question? I, I don't even know what like the food festival thing is. Oh, okay. Good point. So, Good point. So maybe some of our listeners have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> so there's a fancy food show. It's in Jacob Javits, right? Yeah, it's in Javits. They have it in uh, summers, New York. And then in the winter, it's in San Francisco. And they're two of the four biggest food shows of the year. If you actually wow. have a food brand you know, that you sell into grocery stores, it's where you go to exhibit, meet media, but mostly to meet retail buyers. And it's just hundreds and hundreds of displays right oh thousands, thousands. i think i think about three thousand wow so yeah you have to know how to navigate the halls and where to spend your time yeah so how how are things going with miss jones they're going great what's the latest and the greatest um we're launching in Publix right now if you live in florida uh, we just launched our confetti pop frosting and confetti pop cookie mix which are the first ever kind of natural versions of fun fetty frosting and cookie mix free of artificial dyes uh, we just launched those in Target. So lots of good things happening. So we love Sarah because she has totally disrupted the baking mix category. And give us your, your sound bite as to what, what Miss Jones is all about. Yeah, so we're the modern American baking brand. We created the first ever organic frostings in a tub, just like you've always seen in the baking aisle. But these are a lot better with six or seven really simple organic ingredients. And then we also have a line of organic baking mixes. And now we have a third stream of revenue in apparel. <laughs> How are you staying on top of everything? Because your growth has been pretty rapid. It's been pretty pretty rapid. We're in about 4,000 stores now in less than two years. Um, we just hired some folks. So um, it's all about finding really, really good people because um, you can't do it on your own. And you started baking when you were super young, right? I mean, I have photos of me when I couldn't reach the countertop, and it's just always been a passion. Worked at a bakery in college, started a food blog, and then somehow winded up starting the organic version of Betty Crocker. Luke, do you have any questions for um, Sarah? Yeah, um, what was the first thing you ever baked? I think uh, chocolate chip cookies 
the Nestle Toll House recipe on the back of the chocolate chips. Mm. Have you made those? Well, Toby and Mom have. But they have, but I not haven't. you. You'll have to try next time. I want to. All right, so I know you have some questions for Yossi. We looked at Yossi's beautiful Instagram account. So mm-hmm. you, those are all your baked goods on, on your Instagram? Yeah, uh, almost exclusively it's things that I've made. I do occasionally post from bakeries and when I'm out to eat, but okay. most of it's from my home kitchen. So, Luke, before we kick you um, out of the studio, you're allowed to ask Yossi three questions. All right. Um, so there's, um, I noticed when um, we were on your Instagram account that um, there wasn't any meat, like, and there were like fruits, like vegetables, a lot of that stuff. Um, so are you vegetarian? I'm not vegetarian, but my uh, Instagram is mostly baked goods, and I don't really bake with meat that often. So I like to keep it bright and colorful and full of chocolate chips. Mm. Mm. All right, next question. All right, um, I asked this question to Sarah, and like I want to, I wanted to see the answer for both of you. And what was the first thing you've ever baked? I think my answer is the same. I think it might actually be Nestle Toll House cookies, the recipe that's on the back of the bag. That's kind of surprising. Yeah. I think it's I mean, a pretty common. You can bake like bread. Like, a lot of things, and yet you both got, like, the same company, chocolate chip cookies. I mean, kind of surprising. I know. Well, I mean, you really like to eat cookie dough, right? Yeah, yeah. And I like to eat cookie dough, too. And so I think my mom was just like, hey, go for it. Here's a package you can read. Go for it. Make some cookies. Okay, your last question. Make the most of it. What is your favorite thing to bake? Ooh, in the summer, my favorite thing to bake is either a pie or a galette. Which of is all time? Of all time, yeah. Uh, so a galette is kind of like a pie, except it's um, it's open-faced, so it has no top. So it's just crust and fruit. Oh, it's like a pie without the top. Exactly, yeah. So maybe when we're in Maine this summer, we'll, we'll bake a galette and we'll send Yossi a photo. How does that sound? Yeah, it sounds cool. All right, well, thank you for joining us, Luke. Yeah. You'll have to come back next year, okay? All right, I will. Thanks, All Luke. Right. Thanks, Luke. Nice to meet you. Bye. Leave your headphones. So, Yossi, how's your summer going? It's going great. I've, I've been traveling a little bit, which is always nice because New York can be a little hot in the summer, so it's nice to be able to leave. <laughs> so uh, you have to explain exactly what you do because I, I think there are so many women who aspire to be like you, to be baking for a living, to have a beautiful cookbook. But my question is always when you have a blog and you do a cookbook and you do all these miscellaneous projects, how do you make a living? It's it's a little tricky to explain because I do a lot of different things. Um, I started working as a baker in a restaurant. And while I was working as a baker, I started my blog. Uh, I had always done photography as a hobby and I had all of these ideas that I wanted to explore. And so... Uh, so I started the blog so I could combine my two loves of baking and photography. And through the blog, I started to get opportunities for freelance projects, be that photography or recipe development related. And then I was able to kind of spin that into a bigger, um, into a bigger thing. I grew the blog. I created an audience that allowed me to do the book. And so the real way that I actually make my living um, is through freelance photography projects, food styling projects, and recipe development. So I make a little bit of money um, doing sponsored content for my blog and social media, but really the majority of it now is through kind of editorial projects and writing and shooting for other people. 
And is that a big hustle? Are you always like, oh, what's my next gig? Yeah. The freelance lifestyle is all about hustling. It's about meeting people and making connections. And just like any other industry, it's, you know, it really is about who you know. Now, are you a self-taught baker? Yes. I didn't go to culinary school specifically. Um, I learned a lot while I was working at the bakery, Um, but I don't have like formal culinary education. So how did you... How have you gotten to where you are today? Because your stuff's so beautiful. Thank you. I think with uh, I think of baking as kind of an art and a craft. And I think when you are an artist or a craft craftsperson, you just have to practice a lot. You have to try new things and you have to experiment. It's you know you spend ten thousand hours doing something and you become really good at it. I was going to say it's the magical ten thousand yeah. hour thing. And how about photography? The same? Were you self taught? Yeah, the same. Um, I studied a little bit in high school and college just kind of as a hobby. I went to a liberal arts school, so I took as many art classes as I could while I was, you know, getting my BA in psychology. Um, And so it was always an interest and always something that I did. I was always the person in my friend group who was taking photos of everybody. And then when I kind of discovered that food blogging was a thing, I learned about food photography, and it just seemed like the perfect way to combine my two, like, favorite hobbies and strongest interests. Now, how do you keep the enthusiasm up for a blog? You've been doing it a long time. Yeah, I've been doing it since uh, 2010, I think, which is a pretty, pretty nice stretch of time. I think I'm just constantly inspired by the seasons. A lot of my baking is really seasonal. Um, I use a lot of seasonal fruit. And so it just takes a natural curiosity to want to make new recipes and try new things. There are so many amazing cookbooks that have come out in the last couple of years, which is really inspiring. And so I, you know, take all of those, all of those things and channel it into the blog. So speaking of cookbooks, tell us about Sweeter Off the Vine. Uh, Sweeter Off the Vine is my book that came out uh, last March, and it's all about seasonal fruit desserts. And there are a few preserves in there as well. Um, And it's a huge range of stuff from ice cream and cake to pie and galettes. There's a little bit of preserving in there because I love to make jam. But it's just all about celebrating what's best uh, during any season because there is even really great fresh fruit in the wintertime. What do you, apples? Apples and pears are stored, but then also citruses. Oh, citrus. Yeah, citrus is a winter is a winter crop, which I think it, a lot of people don't it, realize. It, I don't. I think I was well into adulthood before I realized citrus was really a winter thing. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know, maybe it's all the Florida citrus associations. You always think it's yeah. summertime. Yeah, and in New York, we're lucky, and I'm sure in California, um, we can we get all these incredible like hybrid citrus fruits that are so delicious and so interesting. It's not just you know oranges and and lemons and limes. We get mandarin quats and tangelos and pomelo and all of this really great stuff. One thing we don't get that I had in London for the first time was a Sicilian lemon. Ooh, yeah. Have you played around with those? Um, I was recently in Paris and I bought a whole bunch of them at the market, mostly because they're really beautiful. So um, beautiful. But they're also so tasty. But we don't, I've never seen one here. What do they taste like? I'll leave it to the expert. What did you play around with them? We, I mostly photographed them, to be honest. Um, but they're just like a really delicious sweet lemon. They have kind of a thick, nubbly skin that's really great for using the zest for seasoning and stuff. And candying the zest of that particular lemon is really good. I was staying at the Ace Hotel in Shoreditch, so uh, I just squeezed it into some water. 
delicious. Tasted tasted lemony. Yeah, it was delicious. (laughs) Looks pretty. Tastes delicious. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Okay, so Yasi, on your Instagram, you have a hashtag, Summer of Galettes. Is that just because you're mental for galettes? It is. Uh, Last summer, I I realized that pretty much everything that I was baking was either a pie or a galette. And I think um, galettes are great because they're really easy to make. I think pie can be really overwhelming and um, people can get frustrated trying to roll pie dough out and fit it into a, a tin and then put it on, you know, crimping the top and the sides. And it's just, you know, by the time you're done with it, you're sweaty and you don't want to eat what you've made because you think you've ruined it. But with a galette, the beauty of it is that it's rustic and it's, you make one crust and you roll it out and it's okay if it leaks a little bit and it's okay if it's messy because that's kind of the whole point of it. So walk us through the whole process of making a galette. So... With a galette, you want to start with a disc of pie dough, um, and that's, you know, one recipe usually. And then I usually add for every, you know, nine-inch galette about a pound and a half of fruit and maybe three or four tablespoons of sugar. And you, if it's berries, you know, you just mix the sugar and the fruit together with a little bit of salt and maybe some seasoning like lemon zest or vanilla bean if you have it. And then you just pile all the fruit on top of the crust and you kind of fold the edges over the side and say a prayer and send it in the oven till it's done. And what do you, when you put it on the, a sheet pan, right? Yeah. And just put it in, does it get messy? Do you, does it, it boil over? I think the best ones always boil over a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So that's a, that's a plus. Yeah. I always say, um, I think a lot of people are afraid to bake their pastry crust too much. Um, but I bake mine until it's almost burnt. I go like all the way caramelized and that'll also help kind of control the juiciness of the fruit so it won't be soggy when you're done because as Mary Berry says, no one likes a soggy bottom. <laughs> no one likes a soggy bottom. <laughs> That's true. What are your favorite fruit combinations? Ooh, I love combining stone fruit and berries. So like nectarines and blueberries is really good or blackberries apricots and raspberries is really great so right now is great i just had some peaches i had my first peach of the season and it was really tasty yeah it's a great way it's i feel like that's a really good sign when your first peach of the season is a good one i know because you never the peach i think peach season last year was not that great but i heard that this season the peaches are really juicy and delicious i heard mixed things i heard it's bad down south but it's going to be okay in new jersey and the West Coast. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of stone fruit. Do you guys get like apriums and all of the hybrid stone they all fruits come out from here? California. Okay. Here. Yeah, you guys get That's the best our stuff out there. Then I never even heard of an aprium. An apricot and a plum okay. hybrid. Is it great? It's delicious. Okay. All the stone fruits in California are incredible. Yeah. Okay. So, what are you two up to for the summer? Um, I'm here. And then I'm back in San Francisco and then going to Australia for two weeks on a bear boat charter with my husband. What's so a, what's a what bear a boat? Bear, yeah. Yeah. It's like camping on a boat. Wow. So we are not sailors, so pray for us. <laughs> um, it's actually a power boat, but still, you um, go out in the Inner Barrier Reef in this area called the Whitsunday Islands. So you're protected by the Great Barrier Reef, so it's very safe. It's very calm water. You're never more than two hours from land. And you just motor around and you cook all your meals on the boat and you sleep on the boat and it's just the two of you and you go snorkeling and you fish and you just explore deserted islands and hope that your marriage is strong enough to survive eight days of just the two of you. (laughs) What are you doing this summer? I am 
embarking on a great Midwest adventure that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, taking a road trip to Wisconsin. I'm going to spend a month in Wisconsin with uh, my boyfriend's family at their family cabin on a lake, and I'm pretty stoked about it. So I'm not so worried about you with the cabin on the lake, but you, I am <laughs> a little worried about the but what is it called? Bear boat charter. Bear boat charter. Can I ask the question? I don't want to ruin your vacation, but I have yep. to ask. Sharks. No, I, I don't think that there are any big sharks because it's the inner barrier reef. So okay. uh, there's a lot of little reef sharks and things. but Which I, are fine. Yeah, I don't think anything that could do real damage. Okay. And we have like a radio that we check into every like twice a day. And my biggest concern is if the anchor doesn't take at night. What if you like wake up and you're against a reef? But my, my husband is, even though they don't require a license, he's taking boating classes right now because we just got like a little too squ- like scared. So um, he has some experience. So okay. putting all my faith in him. Okay. I uh, did a sailing trip for a, a full week once around the Caribbean in December, January. It, it actually, and it, it's so not me. It was so not a me kind of vacation. And it was the loveliest trip I'd ever taken. Yeah. It was pretty mind-blowing. Yeah, I've heard great things. I've never done it before. And um, it's really affordable if you don't just do it yourself. It's, like, cheaper than a hotel room to rent a boat, incredibly enough. And so I'm very, very excited to see what it's like. One of my favorite moments on the trip was I'm pretty scared of the ocean. And you're just in the middle of the Caribbean, and, and the water's so blue, and everything's beautiful. And everybody's jumping off the boat right into the water and you couldn't even see land. And that the thought of that just terrified me. So I just had like a little motivational talk with myself and I was like, you can do this and enjoy all the beauty or you can just remain scared. And I was like, screw it. And I just jumped off the boat into the water and I was scared kind of the whole time, but I was also just really a proud of myself for doing it. And then B just overcome with, all the beauty and you do see little sharks and there were stingrays yeah. and turtles and it was mad. I'm, I'm still really glad I did it. Yeah, I still can't believe I did it, but I'm really glad I did it. it. It's slightly frightening, but yeah. it is like so magical if you can let yourself, you know, get into it and enjoy it. Well, uh, we'll be sending a prayer to the universe for you. That, Thank uh, you. Last that two it, weeks of August. No baked goods for you on the boat. Probably not much baking, very small kitchen. We have a grill. So I don't know. Maybe we could bring like a, um, a cast iron skillet okay. and like make a galette. <laughs> I was I've never made a galette before. I'm totally intimidated by them. And so you actually just talking me through it made me feel a lot better about it. It does make me want to make one this summer because you're right. It's so they're the best. It's way less intimidating than a pie. How many galette recipes do you have in your new book? I think the book only has. I think it only has one, actually. But the great thing about it is is that it's kind of a ratio that you can substitute anything in. So all you need is a pie crust and about a pound and a half of fruit and a sprinkle of sugar. And, like, you're there. That's all you need. And you can use anything that's in season. You can use berries and stone fruit in the summer or apples and pears in the winter. Like, you can just really go for it. Do you serve it warm? I try to, yeah. You try to. Okay. All right. Well, it was fun to hang out with both of you. Everybody needs to check out uh, Miss Jones Baking Co. And um, speaking of galettes, you said you have one recipe in there. Do you have recipes on your on your blog? Tons. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, okay. Tons, tons of crust, different crusts, and tons of different galettes. Great. So just Google Yasi 
apartment to be baking co galettes. And if you make something, tag us and tag Yasi because we would absolutely love to see what you've been up to. Yeah, that'd be great. And use the summer of galettes hashtag because I check it every once in a while to oh, see all perfect. the fun stuff people are making. Okay, yeah. we will do that. Summer of galettes. Don't forget. All right, everybody, we will be right back in a minute um, with entrepreneur Anita Shepard. Thanks for stopping by. Le Cordon Bleu, the renowned culinary school, was founded in Paris 122 years ago by a young journalist named Mademoiselle Destel. In 1895, she launched the first weekly culinary magazine called La Cuisinière Le Cordon Bleu. She invited subscribers to take part in free cooking lessons with the chefs featured in her magazine, and from there, the school was born. In the years since, Le Cordon Bleu's world-class instructors have taught French classical culinary techniques to everyone from home enthusiasts to food world legends. If you've ever dreamed of attending culinary school, maybe it's time to start living that dream. Check out one of Le Cordon Bleu's 35 locations around the world, or add a short vacation or a weekend program at one of its schools to your next vacation. Visit cordonbleu.edu for course descriptions, dates, online registration, and to discover which school is best for you. It's all possible at Le Cordon Bleu. Our next guest is Anita Shepard, the founder of Anita's Coconut Yogurt, the cult product that we are super obsessed with at Cherry Bomb HQ. It's her first time on Radio Cherry Bomb. So Anita, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I'm so excited too. You know, I said earlier that it was fun to have Yasi and Sarah here because sometimes the show is like really the only time I get to hang out with these people I really admire and like and have gotten to know kind of. And we've now worked together two years in a row yes. on the Jubilee. And I literally never make it down to snack break because I'm kind of running the upstairs part at our conference. So um, people will like sneak me food, which is really nice. But I've never really got to hang out with you at the conference and see what you're up to. So um, it's nice to get to spend some time. It's your busiest day of the year. (laughs) Jubilee, probably the lead up is the busiest. The day of is crazy because you're just sort of. You know, you're like a traffic director, you know, and just making sure everything goes okay and the the trains are running on time and people are happy and people are meeting each other, all of that. Do you know what you're going to wear next year? I have no idea. I wanted to wear the same thing this year that I wore the year before. I love both your outfits. I, so wait, this is 2017? So you had the Madewell... 2016 dress, and I, then this year you had the sweater with the sequin. Yes, I had a Madewell jeans dress last year mm-hmm. that was the best dress in the world. It's short but not too short. It has a belt. Mm-hmm. It has pockets. And I, the girls were like, "What are you going to wear?" And I said, "I'm going to wear the same exact thing that I wore last year." <laughs> and they were like, "You can't wear the same thing you wore last year." <laughs> they said, "What if you don't? What if you don't? Um, what if you can't tell in the photos what year is what?" And I was like, oh, "Well, I feel like I'm a hundred years older." from last year so I could probably tell but uh, yeah so they prevailed upon me I'm to actually wear. 
and they didn't pay us to say this. I'm actually wearing Madewell jeans because they gave us the gift cards. Madewell is very generous. I didn't even know who they were. They gave us the gift cards. Such a smart idea. Based on the Jubilee, I'm so much less stingy about giving away product because now look at me. <laughs> oh, you know? exactly. Exactly. No, I'm, I'm a fan of Madewell. The yeah. team there is really lovely and I like their jeans a lot. They happen to fit my size mm-hmm. and... and Yes, thank you, Madewell. But let's talk about coconut yogurt. Yeah. You are like the queen of coconut yogurt. How did this even how this even become your thing? I used to be also a baker and I was working in restaurants. I was trying to, you know, kind of make it as a chef. I was trying to make it as a lot of things. I was Here trying in New to, York City. Yeah. I wanted to get into food writing. I wanted to, you know, work in restaurants. And in this process, I decided to transition to a plant-based diet for health reasons. And it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. I feel amazing all the time. And I attribute that to the way I eat. Well, not completely, but for a large part. And part of that transition was me saying as a chef, I want to make the kind of food I want to eat for other people. So... Instead of going out and buying already existing vegan cookbooks, I wanted to take all of the recipes I'd worked on for so long and keep the spirit of those alive, but make them with plant-based ingredients. And the most challenging ingredient to replace was yogurt. Everything else could transition pretty easily. I, I used coconut oil instead of butter. I did the trick with the flax seeds for eggs. There was always a trick. But with yogurt, there was no trick, and most of the yogurt, all of the plant-based yogurt I found in the store was not suitable for cooking or eating. So I just started experimenting, and that's how it started. So tell us about the experiments. Because you're right. There's, I mean, before your yogurt, I was like, I want to find a non-dairy yogurt, and I tried some almond yogurts and some others, and they were... they just, they were bad. They were pretty bad. Like yeah. you would just never buy them again. Yeah. You would just kind of forgo yogurt. Totally. Exactly. And many people who are dairy free for whatever reason have done that. They've had to give up and just say, well, I guess I'm not going to get eat yogurt anymore, which on, on different levels for me, it was cooking, but also health wise. There's so many health benefits that yogurt has that when you don't eat it, you really, really miss it. Your body just misses it. And so that was a motivation too, was like bringing the probiotics back into my life, bringing the live cultures back into my life, because mainly I went vegan for digestive health and digestive discomfort. So it was really just kind of doubling up on that. I like to feel good. I'm like a feel good junkie. <laughs> we, everybody should like to feel good. Yes. So how do you turn a coconut into yogurt? So what we do is we buy coconut milk from a manufacturer that makes it for us without additives. And we just go super traditional and make it the way that old school yogurt is made. You warm it up, you inoculate it. There are no additives. There's no fillers. There's no sweeteners. I I see so many products that come out that'll say like authentic or old style or I, I don't know. And they, they'll have additives or they'll put sugar in it. And um, you can kind of say, I guess, whatever you want to say, but I don't say any of those things. I just do it. I just don't add anything to it. And when did you launch the yogurt? 
the yogurt has been out for three and a half years. And I just noticed today, because I, I, as you heard earlier, my family is in town right now. And uh, Luke was excited about talking to you because he wanted to ask you about being a vegan. Oh. We, we bought some vegan, we bought Van Leeuwen's vegan ice cream last night because he was very curious what vegan ice cream tasted like. And then we bought the yogurt this morning from the local health food store, and you have individual pints now. Yes. That's well, a new individual, thing. individual um, six ounce. So it's oh, like six ounce. Half. Right. Uh, <laughs> Not quite a pint. <laughs> yeah. It, it, individual individual servings. servings. Yes. So you're, you're expanding at least in that direction, because it yes. used to be you just had that bigger we size. We just had the plane. Mm-hmm. And really when I decided to stop being a baker and start making a product, I wanted to do that make something as simple as possible one ingredient one product because being a baker is crazy there's so much equipment so many ingredients so many processes and if you're a baker and you have a menu you might have like 20 different things that you offer and it's really difficult to make money and get sleep (laughs) so so really the idea the yogurt was like my ticket out of being a chef and being a baker and I was kind of like searching for a product. I wanted to find something I could turn into a product. And when I started making yogurt, it was so clean. And I don't want to say easy because it took two and a half years to get the recipe right, but it was just a simple process. And um, I just instantly fell in love with it. But it's it's not like that was easy. You said it was your ticket out, but it's not like you had any guarantee that the world would like your yogurt, (laughs) your company would be successful. Right. Or even that it would become a thing. In the beginning, it was weird. People thought it was weird. And now it's kind of become more accepted where someone like your nephew might be like, oh, I've heard about coconut yogurt or this. It's just more palatable to Americans, I guess. Because yogurt is a very perishable product Mm -hmm. and your product's very expensive. Yes, it is. Yes, (laughs) we, We cost twice the the amount of the mainstream coconut yogurts. We have turned a lot of people onto your yogurt and there's a lot of sticker shock attached to it, but out of fairness to you and other people in sort of the wellness food category, those foods are more expensive right now. Well, for, for us, the main expense is the ingredients yeah. because uh, alongside doing years of recipe development, there were years of sourcing because it's very challenging to find an organic additive free coconut milk. I'm still struggling with it. Yeah. What's, I mean, everybody's just so crazy. <laughs> Everyone's coconut for coconuts right Yay. now. Has that impacted your availability to get the product you need, the price of the raw materials? So far it has not. I think more than my fear of coconut becoming scarce is a fear of people turning on coconut, you know, they're, especially with like kind of specialty in health foods, people can very easily say, you know, decide like agave is the devil or palm oil is the devil. And it, as a food manufacturer, it's scary to see those things happen so quick, especially now with the world and how things move so, so fast through social media. Um, I think that makes me more nervous is one day maybe you know, someone who works for like the almond industry could like pay to have some expose on how coconut is super evil. And then I have to figure out what I'm going to do because no one wants to buy coconut. (laughs) Or the bigger, more commercial brands Mm -hmm. just get really good at making a coconut yogurt. Yeah. Because right now they're not that great. No. So, so there's, there's definitely many directions things could go. I think one thing 
I've been learning this year, especially through doing the Tory Burch uh, Foundation Fellowship and things like that, is putting more of my story into the brand because one thing I think I took for granted is that there is a really strong story about there and my passion for the product. And the more I put that into the brand, the less likely it is that a bigger brand could come and take everything away because they can't have me. So it's important for me to make this really good product, but also get the story across and and make people understand why this product is so important to me and and try to share more of myself so that I could just have more of like a stamp there. Well, we love this product and I know chefs love it. And I just bumped into Chef Morgan Jarrett from the Brooklyn Botanic Garden and she's obsessed with your product. What are some different ways aside from just Mm -hmm. popping open a yogurt and eating it straight up how are you incorporating your yogurt into different recipes and dishes so this is a huge thing for me Uh, coming from a chef background it's really important for me to have a food service element where I sell bulk yogurt to chefs it could be something as localized as the yellow magnolia where chef Jarrett works and she could just whip up a daily special that will blow your mind and it's all dairy-free, and it has the yogurt in it. It might be in a salad dressing. She put it on, like, a crema fresca on tacos. Um, infinite amazing things. Or as kind of larger scale as Pan Quotidien has us national on their menu, they put it in a smoothie. They put it in a smoothie bowl. They have it in desserts. So on any scale, I love seeing people cook with it. I think I get the most excited when people do savory things with it. I really like to to put it in sauces, salad dressings. And and that really excites me because I think there's such huge potential for us as a country to specifically incorporate yogurt in our cooking because it's such a healthy alternative to to other ingredients. And I know a lot of other countries where they eat yogurt, it is more of a savory food. They don't really eat it with fruit. Like the, the fruit cups that I sell, that's not what they do. They they just do cooking, and it's like an additive in food. So to me, that's really exciting. But at the same time, I do have to honor that most of my customer base just wants to eat it with granola or fruit. It's yeah. It's, it's so it's so good. Yeah. I'm you know, just even just eating it plain is fantastic. How do you make how is it so magically different from other yogurts though? Like I mm-hmm. guess that's your trade secret. So, but No, no, I'll tell you I'll tell you all of it. Because it's really luscious. Yes. So it's very high in fat. Okay. And when I was creating this product, that was a priority for people who were like advising me on what to do. Uh, making it low fat was never a priority for me. I, as a chef, the quality and the, the yumminess was my only motivator. I didn't look at the price. I didn't look at the, the fat or the nutrition content. I just said, I want a delicious ingredient I can use in all my recipes. So, um, a lot of why it's so yummy is because it's high in fat. It's straight up coconut milk. We haven't processed it. We haven't taken anything out. Um, Having said that, I think I actually tout that as one of the health benefits because a lot of the beneficial properties in the coconut milk and uh, in the coconut water and in the cultures are more readily available to your body because they come with all the fat. 
So let's talk about being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. How, how do you find that side of the business? It is uh, something different every day. I actually just came from a, a food entrepreneur's kind of uh, a Brooklyn food entrepreneur's. We do like a monthly summit through uh, a local organization called Evergreen. And it's amazing because all of these local Brooklyn food manufacturers get to powwow about their biggest challenges and everyone brainstorms to kind of come up with solutions. So uh, the first meeting of that was today. So I think being an entrepreneur in Brooklyn, I feel very blessed to have that network. I think otherwise it it would just be a a tremendous challenge. Every day there's something new. And um, you just really have to roll with the punches. I expanded my company while I was pregnant with Ramona. And I think that was such a good lesson for me on, like I said, just rolling with the punches. And you might have a catastrophe one day and then a huge celebration the next, or it could both happen in the same day. And you just have to have this constant even keel through everything where you never get too, too happy or too, too down. Um, so that's not my natural state. I'm like super animated and (laughs) all over the place, but I've had to kind of develop that quality to, to keep the company moving forward and growing. How do you know how fast to expand or not to expand? Cause you don't, Mm -hmm. you see so many brands over expand and then that's the death of them. Yeah. I think there's so many people who will come in and have an idea for you of, what you should be or what you should go to or like who your next big customer should be. And, and you really just have to rely on what's important to you. You know, I've had people in the past tell me you need to stop doing um, food service because you're taking product away from your retail brand. And that's something I would never do because food is so important to me. Um, Working with chefs is so important to me. To me, chefs are the ones who set the tone for what people are going to do with the yogurt that they go buy in the grocery store. So you really just have to rely on what's important to you because if you get to the point where it's a huge company, but you're not, it doesn't have any meaning for you, then I guess there's no point. Do you miss being a chef? No. <laughs> it's a tough life. It's a tough it, life. Oh, it was brutal. It, I was just talking about this the other day. Uh, one thing that I never got into was the way that American restaurant kitchens are based on French restaurant kitchens, which are based on the military. And to me, I love food because it's this nurturing love that, you know, you're like giving someone a piece of your love. I made this for you. I love you. And that is not the way that restaurant occasions work. <laughs> so um, I think I was very happy to divorce myself from that element because it just didn't feel natural to me. You know, I got into food as to, to show other people love. And I think the yogurt is a way to do that because I want people to feel good and it makes me feel good. And um, so I'm very happy to have taken this path. And now that Ramona is getting older... I can cook again. (laughs) How old is she? She's two and a half. So for most of the first two years, um, I was not cooking. (laughs) It was really, really a challenge. So, so it feels good to be getting back into at least like home cooking. And, um, I've done a few little like things here and there, like kind of catering ish or like, um, community, like, um, doing meals for cooking vegan meals to kind of like promote that 
kind of cooking or like teaching classes so people can understand how to use plant-based ingredients. I like catering-ish. <laughs> Never heard that term before, but I yeah. know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So for our listeners who mm. are thinking about switching to an all plant-based diet or a vegan existence, since you did it, mm-hmm. what advice do you have for them? I think my advice would be, my, my personal experience with it is that people think, oh, it's so limiting and you're, you're cutting so much out. But my experience with it is my, my diet has never been more diverse and more open and more free. And when I used to eat meat and dairy, my diet was very standard and I ate the same things all the time. And when I transitioned to being plant-based, it opened up this whole new world where there are infinite vegetables and fruits and grains and beans, especially now locally with all the farmer's markets. And to go out there and just utilize all of that and make your diet as diverse as possible. And um, you will never look back. I just like happy all the time. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. (laughs) Well, Anita, that's all the time we have for today. I I just, I brought you a gift. Oh, what did you bring? What did you bring? I need to see. Oh, my own apron. Thank you. Oh, and it's denim. Yes. Yay. <laughs> to I like match that. your your dress from Terry Bomb. Exactly. <laughs> it's so funny. You know, we started talking about Madewell. Every, they recycle jeans. They take mm-hmm. like your old jeans and I keep we keep talking about there's got to be a way to make some really fun like recycled denim denim aprons. Oh yeah. But those yeah. would be amazing. Oh, we I didn't know, talk right? about the giveaway. Oh, the giveaway. The giveaway. What, tell remind me what the giveaway is. So, uh Chef Jarrett, Morgan Jarrett who we've been talking about She's at the Yellow Magnolia Cafe in the Brooklyn Botanical Garden. It's a beautiful, gorgeous new cafe. And they have Anita's yogurt on the menu. They do seasonal specials. And we've partnered with them to offer one of your listeners a three-course Anita's yogurt-based meal for two people. And this prize includes admission to the Botanical Garden. So you not only do you get the meal... But you get this $30 value of admission to the Botanical Garden and you can go and have like the most incredible date in Brooklyn on Cherry Bomb. And the gardens are so beautiful. Amazing. If you haven't seen them, you absolutely have to. Yes. They've got that spectacular rose garden. Mm -hmm. Um, My favorite time of year there is when the tulips and the lilacs and Mm. the cherry blossoms are all sort of blooming at the same time. It's pretty magical. It's a a short window, but it's a very magical one. Absolutely. But don't wait that long to get the meal. (laughs) No, definitely. And take a look at our Instagram because that's where you can leave a comment uh, for a chance to win. Unforgettable meal. Absolutely. Well, thank you for swinging by, Anita. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's nice to finally, absolutely. It's nice to finally uh, spend some time with you. And like I said, we're huge fans of Anita's product. So um, if they go to your website, can do you list where you're sold? Yes. We have a Find Us page, and I'm working on development of a product uh, for next year that people can purchase from the website. All right. Fantastic. So that's it for today's show. If you are looking for a great summer read, don't miss the latest issue of Cherry Bomb with cover girl Martha Stewart, the one and only. You can find our new issue at all Barnes & Noble locations across the United States and in great indie bookstores, including Omnivore Books, Kitchen Arts and Letters, and Book Larder. If you like our show and listen via iTunes or Stitcher Radio, be sure to leave us a review. We'd love to know what you think about the show and what guests you'd like us to book for future episodes. 
Thank you to Le Cordon Bleu for making this season of Radio Cherry Bomb possible. Don't forget, we have a great Le Cordon Bleu sweepstakes going on right now. To enter, visit cherrybomb.com and click on the banner. You could win a trip to Paris, London, or Ottawa, plus culinary classes and spending money. Thanks for listening, everybody. You're the bomb. a consortium that brings together different artists, illustrators, zine makers, and comic artists all about food. Radio Cherry Bomb is a joint production of Cherry Bomb Magazine and the Heritage Radio Network. To subscribe or learn more about the magazine, visit cherrybomb.com. You know who I think is the bomb? Mallory Kayon, the executive sous chef at Sunday in Brooklyn in Williamsburg. <laughs>